hitting record on episode 40 of the Humans of the Trail podcast. Um, Wow, it's been a while since I've been on the end of the microphone. And first of all, I just wanted to say sorry that I've not been here and I just left so abruptly. I was on a roll with fortnightly episodes for a long time and I hit a hurdle in life and some stuff came up. I'm not going to talk about it. It's out the way and resolved now but um yeah some rough cards were dealt and i've overcome them in the best way i i possibly could and the outcome's quite positive um but man i feel rusty recording this but yeah um i don't know what to say really i just i just fell to pieces in a way i've never fell to pieces before and i took my as i would call it robustness granted I thought that was a normal state of being that I just felt like a pretty robust human and what was simmering under the surface was complete and utter disregard for my own mental health and disregard for the things that I needed to do to keep me sane and happy in this world and those things were family those things were nature those things were sleep (laughs) um, free time space to to exist as a human being without being distracted by stuff just really simple things and when life got really difficult and it was directed at me because usually i find like my my life drugs along quite nicely and and i sort of i'm quite good at dealing with other people's problems but this was my problem um and i just didn't deal with it well so i had to stop everything i had to stop i couldn't focus i actually nearly deleted everything i'll be honest with you I, i was so angry at one point back in April and May that I just I just wanted to just destroy everything I'd worked for and it was my partner who was like what the fuck are you doing why the hell are you trying to like just delete all your work and just cancel everything I was like I can't I just can't handle it I don't want to do anything I just want to exist as a human I don't want to have any anything any expectation that I need to sit down and record a podcast or send an email out or do any of this I don't even want to go to work I just want to curl up and kind of cry that's how bad I got and I'm glad I didn't I'm still here I, I've sat on it and it's taken me a while to want to actually do anything outside of work um for a while and I you know but I'm here talking to you and I really appreciate that so many people had been checking in seeing if there's a podcast um you know some of the messages I've had when I put a thing online about how I've been were just lovely as well and you know teared me up and I'm not looking at recording regular fortnightly podcasts again I've got two on the back burner which I really want to push out because those people spent the time to talk to me and I I feel bad I haven't put these episodes out so well the first one of those is today um but going forward what I'll be doing is doing seasons and I'm doing seasons to protect my sanity so I don't have to always think about the podcast I can do a bunch of seasons I can edit and record those to a high quality release them and then um you know forget about it for a bit and then plan the next season which sounds pretty exciting to be honest I never really done that I tried it for the first 10 episodes and then I kind of gave up for a bit and then I came back and it was pretty really pretty really consistent from you know episodes I guess 10 or 12 through to episode 39 um where i've released fortnightly and i've seen the growth in the podcast like there's been so many new listeners who come through because of that and that's so cool um 
but seasons is where it's at. It's not about the volume of new listeners. I don't, I don't actually, I don't actually care how it does anymore. I just enjoy doing it. And being sat 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 here talking to you is great, and I'm really excited to to do more of it. Um, but yeah, for full disclosure, the next season's going to come out, or I guess the first season is going to come out in uh, October, probably October, November. Probably October. I'd rather get it out sooner. Um, I'll probably record and release around the same time. So I'll record. I'll probably do about sort of, I don't know, five weeks of recording and then I'll release as well around that time. Um, so I'll, I'll, you know what I mean. Rambling. Anyway, so there is a podcast coming. It's not finished. It's, it's back. It will be back. It will be back. But this is a this is two episodes that I want to get out just to say I am still here. I am still alive. I'm okay and. I'll update you on some changes uh, in due course. Um, oh man, I'm so rusty behind the microphone. It's going to take me a while to get into this, guys. Hope you appreciate that. Oh, and I want to tell you as well. I've actually, <laughs> it sounds so ironic and, and ironic's the wrong word. This sounds so contradictory. Um, I managed to find enough creative juice to start a business I didn't really start it. I actually started it before I burnt out, but I wanted to see it through to completion in terms of releasing. Um, and it's real simple. Um, I set up a website and I put some really, what well, I think are really nice designs on there, locally made hiking artwork. And it's called metaltrail.co.uk. I'd love for you to go visit it and take a look and see what you think. Um, if you like what you see, um, on the top of the website, there's a discount code um, and taking pre-orders at the moment. There's some stock arriving in September. It's a really simple little business that I've, I've been wanting to do it for ages, just like run a simple web shop. So I thought, to hell with it. While I am not thinking about anything else, um, I've got a ton of all the skills to do it. I kind of know how to set up websites and do all the stuff because I did it in my job. It's kind of quite easy for me to set up. So um, all that was stuff in there was just my fear. So I decided to just go and do it. So metaltrail.co.uk you will probably become the only sponsor of the show anyway um but yeah that's that project kind of really helped me um and what else i've been doing i've been gardening yeah i've been gardening i've been trying to sort out my garden i've not got very far i grew some things and they died but you can only try um but i'm kind of sorting out so i kind of started later in the year in terms of having to get stuff ready to do the gardening i wanted to make some raised beds and things and by the time i made the raised beds um, I, I kind of felt it was too late to start planting things in the season. So um, but I'm really enjoying being in the garden and just making it look nice. And I'm really excited to grow some vegetables next year. We're getting some more chickens on top of the chickens I've got soon, which is really exciting. Some rescue hens. And I've been drinking. That sounds really bad, doesn't it? But actually, I'm not really a big drinker, but actually I've really started enjoying wine recently and sort of local ales. Um, and not in a sort of, oh, woe is me, I'm going to drink way, but sort of more of a I'm going to have a drink in the evening and enjoy the sunset. And that's been really nice. And it was taking moments to slow down, which has been cool um, and just really helpful. Um, what else is new? Uh, I've been painting Warhammers. You know those little figurines that you see kids play? Um, yep, I'm into that. Uh, I'm having a real midlife crisis here. I'm not even middle-aged. So, yeah, uh, I have enjoyed my time off. Oh, and we got a dog, um, which is cool. Um, he's called Finn. And he's really cute. If you don't like dogs, he's probably not cute. But for us, he's cute. I didn't even like dogs for a long time. And we decided we we're going to get a dog because, you know what, What's life's not busy enough as it is. Let's throw a dog into the mix. I mean, actually, he's been amazing for just getting me out walking and hiking, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, anyway, I'm going to get into this podcast because um, my podcast listener rate is going to drop off um, in a minute, and that's not a good thing. Um, I want you to listen to the episode, and um, I've got Ollie Wicks on the show today. Um, Ollie is from uh, Ramblers, um, so he works with the Ramblers uh, over in Wales near Cardiff, and he has been really instrumental in creating and maintaining and promoting the Cambrian Way, which is a long-distance trail that runs through Wales. Now, I'll be honest, I haven't listened to the episode in a while, and I just want, I'm just pushing this out here today, so I haven't gone back and re-listened to it. Um, I'm just, I know I did an edit of it before I stopped doing everything, so this the edit you'll see, you'll hear today is is of pre giving up on everything. Um, and I know it was a good episode. From what I do remember, we had a really nice chat and Ollie was just awesome. Um, he entertained me at the end with some sort of um, grammar on, not grammar, like how to pronounce the names of Welsh uh, national parks and things in Welsh, um, as everything's been kind of recently actually named as it should be. Um, and he talks about the conservation efforts and what goes on behind the scenes and a whole bunch of other interesting bits and pieces around um you know, who the Ramblers are and what they do and the importance of trails and some of the challenges they have for access. It's all coming back to me now. Um, so, yeah, it was a really nice episode. Ollie was awesome. I did have big, big, big plans to go out with a microphone and talk to him and other people in person. But I'm respecting my boundaries that I don't have time to do it at this point in my life, which is totally fine. Um, I will do that at some point. But right now, um, it's going to be a virtual episode. So sorry, Ollie, I won't be able to do that in the future. Um, but anyway, intro over, uh, long-winded rambly thing going on today. I will resume normal podcast etiquette when I get back into it. But right now you're getting the unfiltered BS coming from my mouth. And I really appreciate that you are coming back to listen to the show. Really appreciate you as a listener. I'd love to hear from you, hear how your summer has gone, hear what trails you've been on, um, or how you've been enjoying the trails. Um, just email me at matthew at humansofthetrail.com. I will always reply to your messages. And I will always be so grateful that you have taken the time to message me in the first place. So without further ado, here is Ollie Wicks on the Humans of the Trail podcast. Enjoy the episode. Yeah, hi, I'm Ollie Wicks. Uh, I work for uh, Ramblers Cymru and uh, been lucky enough through my uh, working career with Ramblers to work on uh, work on the Cambrian Way, which is, I guess, how we connected. Fantastic. Uh, so thanks for joining me. Uh, we are chatting just a little bit before uh, we pressed play, of course, um, and I've got a bunch of questions I'm going to ask you today. Um, I think with most of my guests, I kind of want to start at the very beginning. So for you personally, you've got a very kind of interesting career, which is all around the outdoors. It's all around conservation, move, you know, moving the needle in terms of our access. There's a whole bunch of stuff we're going to go on podcast today. Um, but for me, I really want to know kind of where this really started. What was the base for you where you kind of really got interested in the outdoors? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's fair to say I came with it a little bit later in my life. So I wasn't sort of, I was certainly out and about as a kid, but mostly that meant uh, living in Wales, that meant playing rugby for the most part. So I was, you know, always outdoors, sports, that type of stuff. Um, but it wasn't until I sort of went to university, uh, finished that and did a little bit of travelling um, around sort of Canada. And then a bit later in life, I had the opportunity 
sort of in between jobs. Uh, a friend of mine was just, he'd been volunteering in the, in, in the States. Um, I just sort of said, you know, look, if, you, if you're kind of doing nothing uh, and you need a kind of a bit of a break in life sort of thing, why don't you volunteer in the same place I had done in um, in the US? So I just sort of jumped at it. And it was basically a matter of volunteering for a charity called the American Conservation Experience, all about having international volunteers, um, you know, sort of giving, giving up their time to work in, well, essentially the best sort of American national parks, as you can imagine. Um, so I was based in Arizona and Flagstaff, and then they took us all around, you know, Grand Canyon, into Utah, into sort of Zion, uh, Kings Canyon, um, that, you know, those kind of grand kind of landscapes. And I think that's kind of where the spark came really in terms of, you know, wow, I'm loving this. I'm getting to spend time in national parks. I'm getting to, you know, we, we camp in the parks. So it was very much like stripped back in terms of, you know, all kind of, run the campfire every night uh, collective group kind of thing and um, and then there was a conservation side of it which I really loved um, and yeah it sort of sparked from there and I was lucky enough to go back and work for that charity they asked me to come back and lead crews of volunteers um, and I was based out of Santa Cruz then in California yeah. same thing though you know working in Sequoia Yosemite Kings Canyon National Park all these amazing locations um, and it just kind of gripped me in terms of, do you know what, this is kind of what I want to be doing. This is where I want to be working. Um, and I also loved, like, I want to be, I want to take people to these places. So that element was brilliant. So we take these groups of volunteers and actually give them the experience, you know, we could lead them and get them to, um, experience these places. Um, and then, yeah, I came home, which was the hard part in terms of like, had this massive high and then came home re- with the realization of like, oh, hang on, I have, um, no formal qualification in anything that could sort of get me a, a job in something that I kind of wanted to do. Um, so it was a matter then of kind of starting again, I, I guess, in terms of volunteering like mad as, with as many people as I could here, um, doing an open university degree. So starting to do some of our environmental studies. Um, and then eventually a traineeship came up with... Um, well, I was going to say the Brecon Beacons. Well, I have said it now, but I suppose I'm, I suppose I meant to say the Banai Brecheniog with their new Welsh name they're trying to use. Um, yeah. And then I yeah, did a year's traineeship, which again really threw me into working into some of the most, you know, the sort of brilliant landscapes you've got in Wales. I was I was seconded through part of that to Torvine County Borough Council. So I got my own, you know, own Land Rover, own volunteers. It gave me this whole experience of, um, again, this is what I want to kind of do. I want to be... Um, working in the outdoors, um, you know, working on paths and trails and giving people positive outdoor experiences. Um, and then, yeah, that traineeship was for a year. And then I was lucky enough then to um, to join the Ramblers uh, just as a maternity cover, to be quite honest, as a start. Um, and as I say, was continuing to do some studying alongside that. Um, and then I got the Ramblers and part of the job was the Cambrian Way. And that was kind of like, you know, it was it was the best of best of both worlds for me then in terms of I could yeah. work, do the rambler stuff around the community engagement. So that was half of the job, but the other half was sending me out onto this you know mega long distance trail into bits of Wales I'd never even I probably didn't even know existed. Um, and again, all about you know helping people have brilliant outdoor experiences. Um, and it just has kind of snowballed from there now, and I'm still in a position where I'm working for Ramblers Cymru, but I'm also a trustee uh, for the Cambrian Way Trust, so I'm continuing to sort of keep hold of that because um, it's you know it's, it's it's been a big part of my working career, and it's something I sort of yeah. hold on to. It's quite a special trail across Wales, so I'm pretty sort of um, I, I guess I'm indebted to it in some regard because it um, yeah. 
it's uh, you know it was part of the job I came into, and it's it's got me to the point where I've seen so many different things and experienced uh, some brilliant things. So yeah, it's kind of I guess the whistle stop tour of of how I've got to where I am. That's that's fascinating. I mean, I, I'd like to say that from from my experience, getting into conservation work can be unexpectedly difficult because you do need to put in a lot of volunteer hours to almost yeah. get position. It's not something you can just step into without putting in those that time uh, for free, essentially, for a lot of people. And that kind of you obviously are evidence to that, that that is very much the case. And I must ask, though, what made you not stay in the States? Because, you know, conservation work in the States, like there's a lot of budget behind that. Was it sort of a visa thing or was it just fancy coming back to the UK? What, what kind of made steers you back in this direction? Yeah, um, th- thankfully she's not sat behind me, but it would be my wife, I guess, would be the answer. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I was lucky enough to meet my wife when, when I was in America. Um, she's Scottish. Um, and um, yeah, she was doing her voluntary time while I was working out there. And um, it just got to a point where if we didn't kind of give it a go and try to be a sort of couple, um, we'd never know. So, you know, it's... Um, so I stayed out there for, uh, I did. I think I did most of my visa, but I chose to come home at a Christmas time. And um, I think my boss knew at the time, I can remember him sort of saying, you know, yeah, go home for Christmas, but you're not coming back, are you? Yeah. And it was like, yeah. I think, so, um, yeah, it wasn't, um, yeah, it wasn't anything in terms of um, not loving it out there or anything like that. It was okay. just purely a, a sort of a life choice, I suppose, in terms of, um, yeah. and, well, that we're, we're 13 years later now in terms of when I first went to America. So I think it was probably the right choice. Yeah, fair enough. And, and you know, the the amount of conservation work available to do in the UK is just endless and abundance and nonstop, isn't it? So, you know, if it, you can make a really good career out of it here. Um, now, I have to ask, sort of what really interests you about the line of work that you do? I have no doubt that there's going to be people listening to this podcast that probably have thought at some point that, you know what? getting on the tours and doing some outdoor work, building trails, whether that's volunteering or kind of doing it professionally like you do, sounds a fantastic way to make it. Uh, not only to wait to make it, we're living for a lot of people aware of that, but nonetheless, you do things like that. A lot of it. Um, what for you, yeah, really interests you about this line of work that you do? Yeah, I, I think if I'm honest, when I started, I was just, it just got its hooks in me. So it was quite a selfish sort of thing in terms of I was just loving the places and the experiences that I was just getting out of it, if I'm being totally blunt and honest, you know, and I, yeah. but I think as my time has gone on, what I really now love is, is giving people who aren't your, you know, your mega keen outdoor sort of enthusiast. You, I, I think it's helping people who have barriers in front of them to get outdoors. That's where I get sort of the, the kick out of it now. So people who, I don't know if we've made some community routes in a, which I've done several times now with Ramblers, and then you get to hear from someone who, you know, picked up the leaflet or downloaded the route onto their phone and they went for the walk and and they had a really positive outdoor sort of experience. That's the kick I kind of get from it now. I think is is knowing yeah. that we've helped someone who maybe wasn't confident enough to, you know, pick up a map and just go for it, or, um, you know. Or, or maybe where they live, you know, that the signage isn't good enough or that sort of things. Then if, if we've if we've helped them have one really good outdoor experience and it gives them a little bit of confidence, then hopefully they've got a bit more, they'll go and explore a bit or they'll have the confidence to get a little bit lost. You know, sometimes you kind of need that little yeah. bit, go out, get yourself lost a little bit and, and solve it yourselves. So, so I think there's a fair bit for me around that. 
Um, and I think also then just working on and showcasing bits of Wales that, you know, as a, you know, I think I was saying to you, is that I, I didn't even really know that we had in this country. Um, so I kind of get a bit of a kick and sort of a buzz from that. I really love the idea of showcasing some places that people are overlooking. So whoever knows how to get to the big honeypot sites, what I love mm-hmm. then is being like, well, hang on, did you know there's this little community and there's some really good walking routes there um, and and that side of it. So um, as I say, I think it was a bit of a bit of a selfish side, first of all, in terms of I was just loving the fact that this was a job and couldn't get my head around it. And, and I'm very, you know, very aware of how lucky I've been um, to get to this point. But now it's definitely that, um, as I say, that side of things in terms of showcasing some maybe some hidden gem type of locations, and then yeah, giving people a chance to go and and have a good experience when maybe, as I say, they've got some barriers blocking their way. Fantastic. I want to go on to the Cambrian Way and some hidden gems in a moment, but I just want to get an idea of like what does a working day for you look like? I'm assuming the answer is probably going to be every working day different, but sort of, <laughs> um, kind of generally, if you could give give an idea, like you know what. Assuming you have office days, but I'm assuming yeah. like today you've had you have kind of days on the trail. What what no, explain that to me? Yeah, it's absolutely uh, you know it, it it certainly is jumping around in different different sort of aspects. But you know to give you a rough idea of this week is a really good example, I suppose. So um, so today um, I was in our so yesterday I was in our office in Cardiff. So we've got a little Ramblers kind of office there to get a chance to dip in there, and I can work from home as well. But I was in there essentially. Printing maps, picking up tools, picking up you know way marking posts, bits of kit and everything. Today, then um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be up in Treherbert at the top of the Ronda Valley there, um, putting in way marking posts, installing a bench as part of the community package that we're currently working on. Um, but then later this week, I've got some guided walks planned in one of a, some communities. So local volunteers helping me um, lead some local people around some community paths. Um, and then to be honest, even doing stuff like with this for yourself, Matthew, it's kind of ch- ch- chucked in then doing a bit of, can be sort of a little bit of local or smaller media stuff for, you know, nice. um, I think I was saying to you did a podcast for Transport for Wales recently. Um, so it really is a mixed bag. Um, but as I say, today, yeah, tools in the back of the car, up the on the way marking posts, putting in a bench, you know, but bags of postcrete in the back of my car. Yeah. Um, I think that's an element certainly where the glamour isn't gone, where it's my car that this kit is in. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly haven't reached the uh, the worlds where I've got a brilliant, you know, super duper work truck and that side of things. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, but that's the kind of thing that also I love, but you just got to kind of muck in and you get on with it because you love the end goal of when you're up there and you're doing all the the outdoors stuff so you kind of just don't care in the end if it's your own car you just kind of that's the nature of the um the sector really i think that's right and also the trails are not built by out you know government budgets being outsourced to you know contractors just you know rarely does uh-huh. that happen they're built through grassroots uh kind of activations they're built through the use of volunteers um you know they're built through you know passionate people like yourself who we do this as a career and you know spend have, have very very weeks doing lots of different bits and pieces which actually sounds really really interesting as a job um i mean tell me is there anything you'd rather be doing or is this kind of something you continue to see yourself doing for for a long long time no i i, I think for me you now this is it really the yeah the, the tricky bit of the nature of the sector is um you know p- permanent kind of work can be tricky in terms of getting that i think um yeah so there's a fixed term contract kind of element of it, but I think if you're, if you can kind of put that to the side and you're passionate about this sort of stuff, um, and you know, then 
uh, I think you just kind of roll with it really and I've certainly kind of got my head around that now I, I appreciate that's not easy for everyone to be able to do and again I'm very worse I've been lucky enough in my life that we've managed that because you do have those moments when you come into the end of contracts and you're kind of thinking hang on hope this gets renewed or hope there's a bit of funding yeah. coming along um, but no I certainly wouldn't want to change to anything else now I, I, it's, um, it's once it gets its hooks in you and you kind of um, you know, as I say, you get the buzzes from it that I am in terms of helping people get out and about, then yeah, you wouldn't want to be anywhere yeah. else. Fantastic. So I had the pleasure, I've not walked the Cambrian way, but um, I do have family, uh, well, my partner's family are in Cardiff. Um, and I didn't realise until after we spoke that the Cambrian way runs, obviously, through Cardiff. Um, so I did a little bit of running across along the trail. And it is a fantastic, like a bit I did was, uh, I could tell you the location, but it was a bit kind of crazy. Uh, over, over the M4 and sort of up a big hill and there's sort of a castle on the top of the hill just I know, I know exactly I know the sad thing is yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about yeah, I'm sure you, I'm sure you <laughs> do it goes through a really nice woodland um, <laughs> but anyway it was it was great um, so I had a bit of a taste for it um, and I was running in that's the only bit I know about it so can you tell uh, me a little bit about the trail kind of where it starts and finishes um, and also kind of what hidden parts of Wales it goes through because it cuts from the south to the north of wales or the north to the south of Wales, where you want to walk it um but there's a lot in between there and wales is a is a place where people tend to be the visits Emrickshire, you know um the uh you know north wales and snowden um or you know the gal peninsula or something like that and that's yeah. pretty much it often it's you know those, those hot spots of places and this takes in a lot of other stuff that doesn't yeah, no, it certainly does. Um, and um, yeah, you're right. So, you know, south to north, north to south, um, whichever way you're kind of doing it. The um, I think one of the biggest things just as well early on to say is, and maybe I don't know if you noticed this, is even though you're starting in Cardiff, what a lot of people find is as soon as they step into the um, step into the walls of like Butte Park, so you kind of step away from Cardiff City Centre, you already feel, that's the great thing about the trail, it already feels like you've kind of got away from sort of civilization a little bit. Um in terms of some of the uh, the route, in terms of where it goes, where you're going to get from, you know, if we're doing it from Cardiff going north, is you, as I say, immediately step away from the city, and then you start basically heading heading east, then um, up towards some of the uh, South Wales valleys. So even quite quickly, you start getting to some places that you might have sort of never thought to sort of go to. So once you sort of you leave Cardiff, you get into Caerphilly, you get to Macken, and then you start heading across to places like Cross Keys and Risker. And then you drop over into Torvine, where you're going to sort of Pontypool and all the way up to Blynavon. Um, Blynavon's a World Heritage Site, which is pretty cool. And that's kind of the, right on the doorstep of the trail. Um, and then the trail, there's a weird sort of thing, which um, is quite fascinating about the route um, when you look at the map. So it heads right over to the east. Once you start getting into the, um, into the, the beacons, into the National Park there, um, it goes sort of right up to the eastern side of the park. But then he brings you straight, like basically you kind of inverted and come straight back down itself. I think the the idea behind the route was really to get you to all the sort of sort of most mountainous parts of the trail. And I know, um, I'm sure we'll get on to some of the history of it, but um, sort of Tony uh, Drake who created it was very much sort of the, the mountain connoisseur's route was one of the sort of taglines that he, he put on it. Um, but then, yeah, once you've kind of done this sort of section where you've headed east and kind of come back down yourself, you know, you're going right across um, the... Um, Banai Brecheniog, which I should be using now for the Welsh name for the, the Brecon Beacons. So you go right across, heading west across the park. Um, 
you do see some of the major sites there in terms of, you know, you do you do go up sort of Penavan. But what you certainly do is once you get to that western side of the National Park, um, that is also a place I would say you start to sort of see some of the highlights in terms of places you maybe not everyone flocks to. Um, and then you sort of get into a little bit of sort of Carmarthenshire. And again, I think there's parts of it there. Um, certainly, uh, you know, I can think of this one village outside of Llandavri called uh, Mudvai. Uh, and I loved that place. I remember getting out there. Some of the views were, were epic. It was such a small little sort of community. There's a lovely community cafe and everything there. You know, yeah. it's not the type of place you're going to rush to, but this trail takes you to some of these kind of um, little sort of gem locations. Um, and then after you sort of, you know, you've got to, got to the western side um, of the park there, you you start heading north, and that's when you get into the real rugged kind of, you know, Cambria Mountains kind of area. Um and that's when you do start to get to some of the real sort of remote locations. Um, and again, I'm sure we'll get into bits of, you know, how to sort of do this trail and, um, you know, sort of how remote is everything. But that Cambria Mountain section in in the middle of the country is very remote in parts. Um, but again, going to see some of the best places. And again, you know, when I was you know sort of thinking of parts that I'd experienced, um, there's some bits in that Cambria Mountains area um, that I absolutely loved. Um and then as you start to climb, you know, it keeps keeps remote in fairness. It um, really tries to hug the mountain tops. Um, again, yeah. once you do get into um, up into Snowdonia, um, you uh, will certainly hit some again, some honeypot little parts. You know, you're going to go over um, over um, Eroidva or Snowden, as everyone's known it before. So you are going to see those um, honeypot sites. But again, um, once you start wandering to some of the other mountains up there, you're uh, sort of uh, you, you're sort of away from the masses. Um, so the route, as I say, it was all very mountain orientated. Um, but actually, some of the best places I found as well is when you've dropped off in between mountains, you've got to go through yeah. some sort of communities or villages. Actually, there's some brilliant little places along the way too. Fantastic. And what is the what are the accommodation options on the trail as well? Is it kind of well suited for people who want to do a, mix, a mixture of, um, you know, overnight stays in B and Bs and camping? Was it kind of swing one or it way or the other? Yeah, it's, it's real, really is a mixed bag. So you go in from, you know, the southern early parts, which are quite built up in terms of, you know, your sort of hotels, B&Bs, um, to then sort of, you know, looking at more sort of campsites um, in terms of along the way. Um, in fairness, the Cambrian Way Trust have tried to be, try to get a real robust kind of list of accommodation uh, spots so so there's you know there's a lot of camping so what i would say is yeah you might have a couple of nights in a maybe some hotel sort of b&b stuff but i would definitely be prepared for um for campsite stuff too yeah. um there's um there's a couple of bothies uh there's one right on the route um highly would recommend uh the, the stay in the bothy um that's again right in the heart of the cambrian mountains um and and certainly in some places, um, you probably are going to be looking at you know as much as it's a it's a very tricky area in terms of talking about like wild camping, um, you know. Let's being quite honest, people are out there doing that because in some places, um, the stretches of the route are quite long. Some of the sections, so if you're oh. breaking them up, um, there's some places where yeah, probably pitching a tent and doing it sensibly and sensitively, uh, is probably going to be an option, um, and. Um, yeah, you, you're sort of really in that mixed bag of, of carrying kit for sure with you because, uh, yeah, as I say, you've got some long stretches where, you know, you might just might just be a campsite you're reaching at the end there. Brilliant. And when was the trail established as well? So how, how long is the trail itself? And how yeah, what's so the history it, behind it? Yeah, so it's 
it's been in existence, you know, sort of around since the sort of, uh, we're talking sort of like in the 60s and 70s sort of thing in terms of it being um, established by, as I mentioned earlier, a guy called Tony Drake. Um, but I think it's always been a bit of a, but a, sort of a, a sleeping giant of long distance trails a little bit where, um, you know, there were guidebooks, but, but Tony had a real, um, a real hardship at the start when he was trying to create the route because there was a lot of, um, a lot of pushback from a lot of the sort of authorities, if you like, in terms of I know, I know at one point, for example, his um, his self-published guidebook was banned um, across the Brecon Beacons National Park. They just wouldn't have it because, um, you know, he was, uh, uh, you know, so we're talking, you know, as I say, back uh, back a good number of decades when access was still maybe a little bit kind of um, contentious yeah. in terms of people wondering as much, you know. Uh, um, wandering and like the rights we've got nowadays so um, it's been sort of simmering away I guess in the background you'll chat yeah. to people you'll find some people have heard of it um, and then you'll have other people who have no clue or um, you know it's uh, so it was, as I say so the 60s 70s he was trying to get it he had his, sort of published his book and his book was kind of getting a couple of republished um, and then um, I think what happened is when the when the Cambrianway Trust was set up in uh in the 2000s um it's um i think it became abundantly clear if this trail wanted to kind of really go places then um having more of a an attached body next to it something like that's where the ramblers kind of element came in yeah. now there'd always been ramblers volunteers and members working on the trail um i think it was just to the point where after tony passed away sadly there was this sort of moment of what do we do with this trail now? He's no longer there, sort of being at the forefront of it all. Um, we're just lucky a lot of people volunteered then to step up uh, and kind of carry that mantle. And and we've got to the point now where we've obviously had staff working on it um, from a Rambler's point of view, which I think, I think you know, we've, we're really proud of what we've done with the trail. And I'm sure we'll go through some of the highlights from our side now. But um, yeah, the trail's been around for quite some time. But as I say, I think for the masses probably a lot of people are only really discovering it you know for the last number of years i would imagine okay and that's going to post by a question and don't don't feel like you got to to answer this if it's going to get get you in hot water <laughs> but um so so obviously a lot of people who listen to this will know that you know national trails um for instance you know they got the gold standard of trails for you know england and wales uh, then there's kind of this great Scottish trails for Scotland, uh, and these are the kind of championed trails that you know, get the that get the good funding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like, what stops there be a similar scheme for Wales, where Wales takes ownership for trails and kind of has their own kind of separate pot? I know that the the, the, the office dike path, which kind of winds in between the English Ross border, is also a national trail as the Pembrokeshire Coast Path. But what stops there being and of those trails and other trails like the, the Wales Coast Path sort of sitting in their own kind of body of kind of highlighted trails for Wales. I mean, I always felt that would be kind of a really cool thing where Wales is able to kind of take more ownership of those trails and kind of champion them in a way that makes sense to them as part of like a, a collection of useful kind of world's class trails to walk. Is that something that do you think would ever happen or is that something that's at various levels of complexity just would not ever kind of be considered? Um, Surely, I'm, I'm assuming that discussion has been had at some point as to how can we do what you know, Scotland has done, because you know, or how can we do what's done in the UK in England? For instance? Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's yeah, we're we're very like well, we we consider I think 
thankfully we've got a couple of these national trails as you just mentioned a couple of so off as dyke and uh, glinder's way um glinder's way sorry the, yeah of course yeah the pembrokeshire coast national uh, national uh, trail as well so the yeah. first of all those are brilliant great they're part of that kind of national trails kind of family um i think the wales coast path has certainly sort of shown hang on we could you know th- th- this there's another you know there's another avenue here to have a, to like you say maybe have our own sort of uh sort of welsh kind of national trail little group i think a lot of it obviously comes down to funding sadly in terms yeah. of um you know as you can imagine that was going to sort of be one of the obvious sort of uh suggestions and i think the other thing then is just um long-term kind of resource for these things as well so i think one of the problems yeah. you get with a lot of trails is this they can be they can have a sort of flash in the pan kind of moment where you get pot of money stuff gets funded the difficulty is keeping it going and going and going. I think we've yeah. even seen that a little bit with the Wales Coast Path, where they had all these, they had staff dotted all around um, the uh, the coast, which is fantastic. And I know there's still some people doing that, but I think as sort of things get stretched, even they would probably admit that they're sort of, um, you know, they're, they're still well funded on the grand scale of things. But even they're up against it, in fairness to them. So we've, you know, I was just thinking as you were asking, I was like, we've had this discussion internally in terms of a sort of Ramblers Cymru in terms of our sort of devolved part of yeah. Ramblers in terms of, you know, could could there be bodies such as ourselves who maybe took on ownership of more uh, sort of long distance trails that some of the local authorities or what have you or other partners just can't quite um, sort of fund and, and sort of uh, monitor, um, you know, because I was sort of what's our sort of usp in terms of we, we've got volunteers all across wales you know we've got we've got a set of regional staff now working all across wales you know those kind of trails could be something that maybe so so i do wonder whether there's an avenue for um a sort of charitable sector to come in in terms of someone like ourselves and sort of say well hang on actually um you know maybe there's an avenue that we could look for fun but it does come down to is looking for funding that's what it kind of unfortunately comes down to we're lucky with the cambrian way that we've got we've been we've had staff time i get funded through um, different pots of money and through ramblers cymru um but also we're just lucky then that we've got you know a, a really good pool of volunteers who are just so the eyes on the ground um i would love to take it to the next level in terms of yeah let's make this thing a sort of you know even if it's even if you can't count as an official kind of national trail i certainly would i've got visions and there's plenty of trails out there i'm sure your listeners could reel off loads of trails they'd love to see to be more funded and prominently looked after um i think it's just finding does as i say maybe is there a group of organizations or charities that could come together uh to sort of grab hold of a load of them um we've certainly talked about it internally as i said that's interesting um i wondered if you dad that might have been discussion so i'm kind of, kind of glad it uh, it is something that's been explored perhaps now obviously that leads quite nicely to the economic benefits of the trail um, and i think using the cambrian way is an example of this is probably a good idea for this exercise now i know that long distance hiking has a lot of benefits and that goes from the social benefit health benefits the economic benefits what have the economic benefits been to wales in terms of that this, the, the surrounding communities and the indirect and the direct economic benefits, uh, which then obviously makes that justification of putting more money into the trail. What, can you give some example of what those benefits might be? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things we found from just chatting with, first thing that sprung to mind is, is when we've been chatting with different landowners, certainly where um, you know we've we've waymarked uh, the the whole trail now with the Cambrian Way. So as you go as you're doing that, you 
naturally would just bump into landowners, you know, at the end of the day, you're putting up, putting up these little plastic little discs across their property. So they want to know what you're up to when you're wandering around there and stuff. Um, and I think one of the biggest things we found chatting to people is this um, diversification of their sort of businesses. You're talking to farmers who probably been in families who farmed areas in, in sort of uh, in, in Wales for for, you know, for for generations. But what's happening now is, as you know, if they haven't got the next generation of uh, sort of relative coming to what they're looking to do is, you know, sort of flip the farm into a different sort of business stream. And I think that's where we found these elements where the trail is kind of working in terms of offering uh, landowners the chance to either, even if it's as simply as, you know, giving people an opportunity to pitch their tent, um, or actually turn it into having like an actual, you know, converting barns into sort of proper accommodation. So I would say that's one of the, one thing that stood out for me when I've spoken to people, they want to know a lot more about the trail. Um, they want to know, can they have their business, you know, promoted on the, on the Cambrian Way Trust's accommodation page? Cause actually they can see it as a chance to add an extra income stream to them. Um, I think there's, you know, again, sticking with that accommodation theme, there's some really remote um, accommodation options. And I think I'm really proud that the trail is a, a solid sort of funding stream for some of those. So there's one hostel in particular called uh, Ateen Cornell, um, bred in the, you know, sort of sort of deepest, darkest kind of Keradigion, uh, really remote hostel. And uh, the trail goes past its doorstep. So for that hostel, the trail is very much sort of goes hand in hand with how they sort of exist. Yes, they have some other people coming there for other but other options, but the trail is very much fundamental to their sort of existence. Um, and then I think as well, we simple things. I remember we were working with them, um, we did a bit of work with the uh, sort of refill scheme in terms of pe people filling up yeah. their water bottles. So that was a really easy way for us to promote um, shops, businesses and that sort of things in terms of if they'd allow people to fill their water bottles up in there, then the good chance that there was a chance that actually they were going to spend a bit of money in that shop too. Um, mm. So that was a little avenue, nice one we worked with the, the refill guys on. Um, and actually, again, we were able to give the refill team some really remote locations on their map of sort of refill options. Um, the trail was really good because as we navigated it, we could populate some of their map. They didn't even know there were places that could give a refill option. So. A simple little thing like that even is helping some businesses in terms of putting that extra bit of footfall coming through their door. Um, and then I think, you know, you you get into then the other side of it in terms of um, the sort of uh, sort of charitable element of it, I suppose, in terms of the, the, the trail probably is showcasing as I said, you know, using this hostel as a good example. That's a charity that that's the sort of that, that hostel is run, you know, in terms of a non-profit sort of charity body. So their existence again is really helped by having some of these long distance trails uh, they have a second hostel for example so if you visited one there's a good chance someone goes and visits one of their other hostels um so there's a bit of a sort of intertwinement around that as well that's really interesting and in terms of the trail users as well see not everybody who walk, who walks uh the cambrian way is going to be like a long distance hiker um you know i for example went on it for a couple of miles running it there's plenty of people who got a pop on and off uh, sort of as uh, you know, dog walkers. Is it accessible for cyclists as well, or is it purely just uh, footpath only? Yeah, there's only a few sections where you'd be able to get bikes on. Uh, from being quite honest, yeah, yeah. Um, so, is there any kind of idea on the numbers of people that would access the trail on an annual basis? Because it's very easy to kind of assume that you know some of these trails, like the Cambrian Way, that don't get kind of the land like some of the bigger trails get that you know they're not that busy. Long. 
And have you got any kind of idea, roughly, putting you on the spot here just a bit, <laughs> how, many, not, how, how many people might kind of visit the trail annually? Um, I'll be totally honest. It's not something we've really focused on purely as a, yeah. it was, I think, and the background to that is purely what we wanted to do was get to a point where we had done as much promotion of the route as we could and, and got get it to a place where more people were, were aware of it. So I think as a piece of work for us, so it certainly as the trust, um, that would be something good to do. What I would say is that we know there's now a sort of um, a, a sort of decent number who are getting out there and walking it purely because sort of Facebook groups have started to sprout up in terms of people walking the trail. So there's a there's a Facebook page, for instance, called Walking the Cambrian Way. That's nothing to do with anything I've set up. No one in Ramblers, no one in the Cambrian yeah. Way Trust. So that, although we're not getting accurate that, you know, in terms of numbers, what we are noticing is that you know, people are interested in this trail. Some someone's then, gone and set up a Facebook group dedicated to this trail, and there's no link to any of us law. We're just like that, which is brilliant. The fact yeah. that people are in there, there is a community of people on that Facebook group chatting about the trail, giving each other t- tips and hints and and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I, I unfortunately don't have a magic number to sort of to give you, but in terms of fine. knowing that the popularity is building. You know that things like that Facebook group, and then just the the Cambrian way sort of social media side of things in terms of people tagging us on that is we're starting to know certainly starting to get a more picture, get a sort of getting a better picture of um of the number of people that are using it. And so, what goes on in maintenance and the promotion of the trail? What what does that look like? Uh, kind of give a few examples of kind of nuances of kind of maintaining a trail of that length. And the, yeah. I guess the complexity of that as well, because it's no easy feat with a lot of councils involved, a lot of parish councils involved, a lot of yeah. organisations, volunteers, etc. It's a lot of moving parts. How does that all work? Yeah, and it's, it's gone through a sort of a long-term kind of journey, I guess, in terms of um, not just when I started the role, the um, kind of predecessor, um, Amanda, still a colleague of mine, and also, as I mentioned earlier, all these volunteers and Cambrian Way Trust members. Um, but I think from my experience, what I can at least... Um, pick up is what one of the things we wanted to do, um, which will give which will frame around the work that we've done in a second. Um, is that we right. wanted to sort of honour Tony Drake's kind of legacy in terms of you know he left money behind. He wanted this trail to continue, and he wanted it to become more. Uh, he wanted it to be to have longevity, and he wanted more people to be aware of it. Yeah. So one of the biggest things for us was sort of setting some goals in terms of okay, well, how do we get this trail? One, how do we keep the trail? in a good state so people can use it as is right now and then what are the things that we're going to try and build towards uh sort of doing in terms of uh getting it more out there sort of to the masses if you like um and one of the biggest things we as you just mentioned was sort of partnership building that was one of the biggest things we could do to start with this thing goes through i think it's nine different local authorities two national parks um you know then you're talking other major other sort of major stakeholders so national trust cymru you know, Natural Resources Wales. Uh, then, as you mentioned, you've got all these kind of smaller kind of community councils. Um, so that was one of the biggest things was basically kind of doing a bit of a bit of a trip around the trail, meeting all the different partners, sort of getting their perspectives on this trail, make, making them aware that sort of we were going to try and get it to a state where more people were going to want to um, want to want to use it and be able to use it. Um, I think 
one of the biggest things we did do though is we didn't want to put demands on those authorities in terms of mm. you know if there was a style that wasn't brilliant we certainly didn't go head on in and say you know we need that style fixed up and that it was very much a sort of relationship partnership building sort of uh, piece of work to to show them we wanted to bring this trail to a wider audience but in a responsible manner so there was a lot of that up front sitting down around the table or you know sitting on a on a video call with people just to kind of get a feel for if we if we go for this if we try and push this trail to a wider audience what do they think about that is it okay um and actually there's some really good conversations that came out of that in terms of um there was uh, there was a few sort of uh, a few of the authorities who, had a, who were a little bit wary of if we pushed it too uh, too wide in terms of um, to a, too big an audience you'd have people taking on sections of the trail and they weren't actually capable of taking some of those bits on so there was, you know, all of that relationship building was really important so that we had, where we promoted it and how we promoted it was done in a sort of sensitive, sensible sort of manner, you know. So always, you know, we linked in with the Adventure Smart campaigns so or pushing those kind of messages if you're going to take on this trail. Um, you know, you need to be prepared for all the sort of uh, the tricky parts of it. Um, and then once that kind of relationship stuff was done, we were sort of moving to bigger bigger kind of chunks of work then. So the the Cicerone guidebook was a massive bit of work. Um, so yep. when I started, um, so surveying the whole route, what states it in, but also writing descriptions for all the sections, checking descriptions, um, you know, building that volunteer pool has been a massive part of the job role. So making sure we have people dotted all across the trail who can be the eyes on the ground. So, you know, getting out with those people, taking them on little sections of the trail, making sure they were comfortable with what we were asking them to do. Um, as I mentioned, way marking the trail, that was a massive undertaking. Um, and again, that was a, there was a massive element of that around how many markers is too many markers. If we have them too regularly, uh, would a walker be lulled into this false sense of security in terms of they're going to see a marker every time? Well, that's not the case because yeah. when you get up onto the more rugged or the mountain tops, there's nowhere to put markers. And actually, it's avidly kind of frowned upon to really kind of try and push and have marking posts out in these remote places, which I totally totally on board with myself i must admit so you know um all of that sort of it was it was a real kind of as i say relationship building in terms of making sure the things that we wanted to achieve actually though were possible by having all these partners on board with what we were doing because at the end of the day they are these the local authorities and national parks they've got all these you know, overarching responsibilities um we're using all public rights away um so you know, if we're sending people off, uh, trying to take on trails, they need to know, you know, we need to be using the correct lines of the paths. Even there was a lot of scoping around where does the route actually go? Is it actually on place? You know, is it actually on access land that it, where, where the access is actually available? Or um, So, they, you know, th those undertakings were massive. Um, but what we've been able to do is, one, having done all of that kind of groundwork in terms of getting that kind of really solid playing field, and then we... As I said, got into the good, you know, the kind of the really nice kind of good stuff, which is like getting the guidebook up, you know, getting the way marking done, having a yeah. having a halfway post and a bench installed, having start and finish markers, um, you know, holding sort of celebration walks as we ticked off some of these things. Um, so the job role working on it and it's just kind of been so varied as well in terms of the yeah. things I've had to do. That's, I mean, that's a, for you as well, that's an amazing body of work to kind of have put, put your stamp on. You've obviously been really deeply and kind of intimately involved within the trail so i can totally see now why you 
how kind of you want to stay on and continue to work on the trail as part of the you know the, the Canary Way organization. Um, that's super interesting. So um, I guess we're, we'll start to wrap it up soon. But I wanted to uh, talk to you about um, paths to well-being. So this is a project um, that you kind of raised in the questions that I sent over. Um, I don't know a lot about it beyond just quick bit of Google, if I'm being completely honest, um, before um, I came on today. So can you kind of tell me a bit about Path to Wellbeing, um, kind of what the project is and kind of what the impact that project has been as well? Yeah, sure. And, and and really appreciate you um, sort of just bringing it up, actually, Matthew, because so, I know we're talking all things kind of Cambrian way, but I think um, the Path to Wellbeing is probably the probably a side of... Um, the ramblers that a lot of people really aren't we're aware of, uh, which is, is, you know, we've got all these amazing walking groups out there with the ramblers, but I think what the ramblers was really based upon was helping anyone and everyone have places to go walk in. I think that's really yeah. good access to places. So that's kind of where this past the wellbeing projects coming from. It's kind of rolling back to the charitable kind of aims of, uh, of ramblers. Um, and essentially what it is in a, in a sort of a crux is we have uh, six regional officers and we're working with 18 different communities across Wales those 18 communities were could apply to be in the project um and what we're delivering then is each community has uh, a, a sort of a series of eight walking routes to going from you know very short family friendly up to you know some of them maxing out at maybe eight or nine mile but that's at the top end most of the idea was to have reasonably short walks in communities um to showcase what the showcase the places the local people wanted to show, I think, is one of the, the key things as well. Is that the idea was, we, you know, we 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 give local people um, a, a sort of a suite of walks that they can all go and follow and is showcasing some of the best parts of their community. So not only for local people in that community, but then maybe for some visitors to come in uh, and, and sort of visit um, maybe somewhere they hadn't even thought of as a walking destination. Um, so we're creating walks with them. They get. Um, all of the walks are going to be on a bespoke little website. They get a leaflet, they get an information board. Um, and uh, and then kind of alongside that, they get a package of other bits and pieces. So when I you know mentioned I've been working, digging holes, putting a bench in the ground today, well, that's what that was part of. So every community had two benches that they could put out on some of these roots. Um, they got trees to plant, wildflower seeds, nesting boxes, because I think we wanted to ensure we added on that kind of biodiversity environmental side of it because i think at the end of the you know walking in the and accessing the outdoors does go hand in hand with the environment and the, but i think we need Brilliant. to hammer that message home a little bit more in terms totally. of we want more people to stop look around them appreciate the places they're um they're sort of uh, visited um and then uh, they get a set of community tools so the idea is we create a sort of sustainable kind of volunteer party then so that when we have to sort of step away uh, due to sort of funding or hopefully moving on to working with a load of another a load of other communities we leave behind a group of locals who are really proud of the roots they've got they go out there with their sort of hand tools cut their back all the simple bits of vegetation that being you know brutally honest the local authorities just do not have the manpower to go and cut back some yeah. of these tiny bits um, of vegetation and that's where the volunteer element for us is a massive uh, massive part of our charity um and um, and yeah, that's kind of in the crux. It's very much a community engagement project, like I say, showcased in eighteen different places, and um, and hopefully, yeah, bring in a bit of um, a bit of positive sort of access to the outdoors. Um, actually, one thing I should say as well, as you can see, there's quite a few elements to this. We also were installing uh, more gates uh, rather than styles as well. So if they were rotten styles and we could get the landowners on board, we've been installing gates. 
to make access better as well. Um, you know, in an ideal world, we'd like to have nothing there and just have a gap. But obviously, with the, the nature of a working landscape, um, so we've been putting gates in as well. And um, yeah, leaving behind, hopefully, as I say, a positive kind of walk-in uh, package for a community or for a tourist to go in to sort of, you know, sort of uh, go and utilize. Fantastic. I, I love com like grassroots community-led action around trails. Um, kind of for, me, for me personally, I've started to really see um, and shifted this podcast a little bit away from the long-distance hiking theme to more about trails as, as a kind of tool and, and a, a catalyst for change, but particularly in terms of like you get people on the trails and you get people outdoors and then being active. And what then happens is they create a deeper sense of purpose and place with where they're living. Um, they they start to get happier and healthy, and you know that then has such a, a big, almost if you're looking right far into the future, intergenerational consequence, like a positive one, um, by just people being healthier and happier and being more engaged in that community. So I think trails can be such a catalyst for change, and I think parts of well-being appreciates that for the looks of it. Um, so uh, I'll. Still there, but I've lost connections. I feel like no, no, I'm still, I'm still here. Yeah. Oh, you're still there. Cool, that's fine. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've just gone onto the website. Um, paths to wellbeing.ramblers.org.uk is the website for that. If anybody's interested, because I think that's a really cool, yeah, uh, and, and scheme to to have. It's um, it's kind of a bit of a flagship project for us, if we're honest. As I said to yeah. the start, uh, it's rolling back. I think to some of the the big charitable aims of what Ramblers was kind of built upon in terms of. Making Actually. sure people had really good quality access to the outdoors, um, you know, having that ability to to sort of get to the stage where uh, you know everything you talked about in terms of having generations down the line that have got really good outdoor space that they can, mm. you know, the, the stories to tell even just be being out in some of these communities. So some of the places you access, um, you know, well, that's what we found working with loads of the volunteers that we've we work with, um, all the history that they they're really keen to, to showcase about the places they live Definitely. because you know people are sort of not flocking to their community because they go into other places well we're trying to flip down its head as well so that little bit of economic prosperity to some of these communities i think is really really important too yeah i mean i'm i'm going to be looking at that myself because as as i said to you we have um a partner's family down that end country so you know if i can go and find some paths even around cardiff and some communities around cardiff that look interesting and have some interesting walks then i for sure am kind of up for getting on board with that so exploring it from a sort of um and from a walker's point of view even so it sounds like a really really cool project and you know like super appreciative that there's actually people working on the ground making this stuff happen this is the hidden work that is done that no one sees um and that, this was exactly why i wanted to bring you on today because i think it's so important to highlight people like yourself who go out who do this work you know uh, and that includes the volunteers as well and you know you often don't see people volunteering on the trail because they're in and out. And then, you know, a new, you know, set of stairs or, or um, steps, sorry, or a fence post or uh, anything like that can be installed quite quickly. And then it's just there, it appears, but, then the, you know, but you just don't see that work being done often. Um, yeah. But it is down to, these trails are made down to the hard work of a lot of volunteers. There's a lot of time, there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of passion into them. Um, so yeah. it's really important to talk about I, that. I I think what I'd just say as well is, and it's one thing we've we've found is, you know, we're working really closely with um, the local authorities as well, because obviously they're yes. the, you know, the sort of overarching kind of authority of all the public rights away in these places. 
but we've tried to push them to do a bit more self-promotion of, of themselves also because, yes, we are doing loads of work, but I would also say there's some brilliant people working in some of the local authorities, but they just do not get the credit some of these people deserve either. Um, they seem very wary of, of publicising and really pushing the work um, that they are even doing. So if I get it, I'm going to take a chance on your pod, I think, Matthew, and just give those guys a shout out as well because no, you're some fantastic people um, in the national parks and the local authorities um, but they're again, they're very unseen, you know, unless you happen to wander by them when they're doing that job, you know, like, as you said, magically, there's a new a couple of new steps or there's a new little bridge, a new footbridge has gone in and you had no clue who the hell put it in. And so I think, um, we are lucky with some of the passionate people we've got working in those departments and, um, they're, um, they're up against uh, what I would say as well in terms of their uh, resource and funded. Yeah. And I think, um, applause is, is a good way to, to finish this. Um, so, um, before we wrap up, is there anywhere online that people can go to, I obviously have shared the website for Fast Will Be, um, but is there anywhere else that people can go online to find out about the work you do, um, involved in any personal social media links or anything like that? Yeah, I guess there's a couple of, I mean, yeah, so Ramblers Cymru and Pass to Wellbeing in terms of that, that side of it, um, we've got, Ramblers Cymru's got. I think we are all, we're on all the socials, you know, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. So I'd definitely say if you, you know, check us out on any of those and you'll see all the work going on all across Wales in terms of the past well-being side of things. Um, I would recommend have a look at the Cambrian We Trust website. Um, it's volunteer run, which I think is an amazing thing. We've got a guy, um, George, who uh, does it as a volunteer, gives up loads of his time, tons of information. So if you're thinking of doing the trail, I would definitely have a look at the Cambrian We Trust website. Um, and I would actually recommend having a look at that walk in the Cambrian Way Facebook group because there's loads of good people in there. Um, and there is Cambrian Way social media too. So for in terms of quirky little stories that we can share when we are out on the trail or anything, um, yeah, give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook on there. Um, I don't want to do too much my own self-promotion, Matthew. It feels a bit weird. <laughs> but if you follow me, no, you'll get to see... You might get sick of following me because all you'll see is my stuff just talking about different trailers no, no, and different places. No, so I don't for know. sure. I think, I think that's important. If you're happy to share your social media links, I think um, and people are on this podcast to listen to stories of people who are on the podcast. So, um, you know, so feel free to share it. You'll, you'll get some some interested, yeah, interested well, followers for sure. More than happy for people to follow me. I mean... Ollie Wicks, it's O-L-I-E-W-I-C-K-S, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and obviously I can share the tags with you, Matthew, and stuff, and give it that way. But um, yeah, just you know, give us. Uh, I am loving where Ramblers Cymru, I think, has gone. I think just on a personal thing for me too, in terms of all the work we're doing across Wales now, we're really, um, you know, spreading that kind of charitable stuff, which I think is what what he was all kind of built upon so um yeah if there's any ones i'd push is uh ramblers coming in the cambrian way don't worry about me too much <laughs> all right fantastic <laughs> well um we'll chat we'll chat after we finish recording because uh, i want to ask you one more thing but we'll do that separately uh but fantastic thank you so much for joining me on joining me in the podcast today no no it's uh thanks very much for having me it's been great a pleasure thank you cheers mm-hmm.